0: we don't get through what i wanted to say we'll finish next week how's that for a deal all right well let's let's pray father we thank you for just the opportunity that you gave us this morning to just directly sow a tangible expression of your love into someone else's life and uh, lord i ask uh, that you would bless every single person that gave this morning Uh, lord let let the principle of sowing and reaping operate in our lives even as we sowed into adam's life and into the community of cincinnati into the lives of kids into adam's family Uh, lord i ask that that would be returned as a blessing to the givers right now Mm. and we thank you lord for what uh, you are going to do and how you're at work in in their lives father we ask that you would bless uh, your word this morning as we look into it Uh, let it encourage and strengthen us let your word feed us and nourish us Uh, Lord, let it be fresh bread as we eat it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about things in the world getting better, and we've we've been talking about the need to give hope to the world and to be optimists, not just to be Pollyanna, that we don't know what's going on and we just uh, think everything is going to be okay, but to know that things are getting better because we serve a mighty God. We are found in him. He is our victor. He's our refuge. He's our rock and our hiding place. And we can be confident that he will do everything that he promised he will do in his word. So that's why we have hope. That's why we're optimists in the world. So I hope that's been helping you. Last week we talked about why should we have hope and then... uh, If we don't get through all the notes, I'll do it next week. But after we we talk about this, God was showing me some things about uh, just some of the basic doctrines of the church that we preach that I've heard so many different people share them different ways. You, You know, you can take the same Bible and either really beat somebody up with it and they get all depressed after they talk to you, or you can give them hope for the future and life out of the same book. And uh, I think God wants us to be people that, that look in his word and produce hope for the world and transform the world to look more like the kingdom. Just like we heard in the word this morning, God is restoring something, not back to just how it was, but to the standard of his word, the standard of the kingdom of God. So that's what we're after. Uh, but this morning, before we get to that, I wanted to share about there, there is someone who has been actively trying to prevent the world from improving, and no, it's it's not the politicians. Even though it's an election year, and, and you would think that from listening to everybody's ads that the other guy has, you know, just horrible things are going to happen if the other guy gets elected. Uh, it's not the politicians. It is the devil. The devil actively does not want. The world to improve he does not want the kingdom of god to advance he does not want our lives to get better he does not want to see the atmosphere of heaven come and manifest in this realm and transform our lives he hates when broken people get made whole he hates when hope comes into a situation he hope hates when righteousness peace and joy begin to abound in our lives so he's actively trying to uh, oppose that and I know we, we talk about not wanting to give the devil a lot of place in church, but so that's why he's only getting one Sunday, maybe two if I don't go through all my notes. But that's it. Um, but we are called to not be ignorant of his schemes. There is, there is a real enemy that opposes us that we need to know a little bit about it. If, if you are fighting against somebody, if you are leading an army, you, you kind of want to know a little bit about the other army's plans so you can outwit them and outmaneuver them. So that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. What what do you think when you think of the devil? When, when somebody says the devil to you or Satan or picture the devil, what do you think of? The deceiver, the liar. Uh, I don't think anybody has the, the picture of the, the red horns and the pointy tail and the pitchfork, right? Uh, but some people, maybe you think of him, you know, some grotesque, evil-looking figure sitting in a fiery cave somewhere directing his minions. Uh, maybe those are the pictures that pop into your head. Uh, the deceiving spirit that tries to get people to do stupid and evil things. Uh, maybe you ever had somebody tell you, the devil made me do it anybody, I wasn't going to ask who's ever used that as an excuse, but maybe we've heard that from somebody we know before. Uh, that is just silly, isn't it? Uh, unless you are possessed, that is not an excuse you can use. The devil didn't make you do it. You made that choice and did that on your own. Uh, I think oftentimes we give the devil far too much credit for things he can't accomplish, can't do, doesn't have the power to do, and we give him too much blame for things that he can't cause, things that are just people's own stupid choices in life. So I want to look at what does the Scripture actually say about the devil. Uh, the first thing I wanted to look at is 1 Peter 5.8. Uh, you can write some of these down if you want. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, the first thing I think it's important to remember, he's referred to as our enemy, not God's. Uh, the, if we were to say God is as big as the church here, the devil wouldn't even be the, the tip of a pin. It's, he, is, he is not God's equal. He, he, we always picture it like this, like if Daniel and I were going to get into a fight... You know, everybody would wonder who's going to win. You know, Daniel's kind of young. He's got muscles. Pastor Chris kind of old, white and flabby and eh, not too sure who I bet on. It's not like that with God and the devil. There, There is no hedging your bet. There's no question of who would win. It, it's not like me fighting Daniel. It would be more like me fighting Gino. Or whoever the littlest baby in the nursery is this morning. And even that is not the amount of mismatch it is between God and the devil. So we need to get that picture out of our head. But he is our enemy, seeking who he can devour. It says he's roaring around. Uh, that word roaring in First Peter 5, 8 implies a fierce hunger. Like if you've ever not eaten for a while, and you just got in your belly, it's just gnawing at you. Like, oh, it's almost causing me pain, I'm so hungry. That's what it's like for the devil. He was deprived of his food source. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he began to take food from the devil until he's running around now like a roaring lion. He's so hungry, looking for something to devour. Uh, He can only eat if you leave something out for him. I thought it was, it's kind of like when you leave your trash out and the raccoons get it. That, that's kind of what it's like. The devil can only satisfy that hunger if we give him something to feed on. Uh, so, I'm not I'm not going to go into us all today, but way back in Genesis, the, one of the curses that was put on the serpent was he was going to eat dust all the rest of his days. Who was made from the dust? Adam. And the Adam nature... That was inside of us as unbelievers before we came to the cross is what the devil feeds on. It's the dust that nourishes him. And so every time somebody gets snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of light, more of the devil's food disappears. And he's roaring like a lion looking around. What can I feed on? What's left for me? Every time we save somebody, we pull food out of the jaws of that roaring lion. So, that's one thing. He's our enemy. He's not God's enemy. He's not an equal with God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.10 reminds us of this. Paul writes, "...If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I've forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake." Why? "...in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes." So Paul was telling the Corinthian church, I don't want you to be outwitted. I don't want you to be overpowered. I want you to be able to defeat your enemy. And I think it's very interesting that one of the main schemes he lists as the devil that he tries to use to outwit us is unforgiveness. So right there off the bat this morning, first thing before we even go any further, you can outwit and overpower the devil. You can outdo his schemes by simply forgiving anyone that you need to forgive. That's one of the main ways the devil can trip people up and keep them bound is by keeping unforgiveness in our lives. All right, so since we don't want to be outwitted, we don't want to be ignorant of his schemes, we need to know a few things. So what does Scripture specifically say about our relationship with the devil and specifically our fight that we're in with our enemy? So a few things I'm going to give you this morning. The first is Colossians 2:15. It says, and having it's speaking about Jesus, having disarmed, the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross so the first thing to remember this morning if you're writing and taking notes satan has been disarmed he has had all of his power all of his weapons stripped if you look up the word disarmed in the greek it literally means a complete stripping and putting off of everything so uh, the amplified actually says the powers that were raged against us so it would be Let's, let's go back to our example. If I was going to fight Daniel here, not that we would ever fight, right? Because we're buddies. Okay. But if we were going to fight, it would be like telling me in advance, hey, my enemy, the person I'm about to fight, can't use any weapons. That's what disarm means. It, it means I can enter into this. He's not even allowed to use his fists. He's been completely stripped of all his power and his weapons that he would have to use against me. How many of you would sign up for that kind of fight? I, th- I, think, I think even Miss Stephanie would maybe take me on if she knew I couldn't do anything. I had no weapons absolutely to use. She could do whatever she wanted. I think she might win. Well, that is what Jesus did to the devil. He completely stripped him of any weapons he could use to fight. How about this one, 1 Corinthians eight To think about that, uh, the devil getting stripped of his power. 1 Corinthians two eight says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I've heard it said this way. I think I've used this quote before. Graham Cook said, if the devil would have understood the cross, he would have killed everyone who was trying to kill Jesus. If the devil really knew what the outcome was going to be, that I am going to get completely disarmed and made a public spectacle, he would never have incited people to crucify Jesus. I'll I'll leave this one hanging out there. If your view of the future... Uh, includes an end-time scenario where the devil regains power and uh, needs to be defeated again, you might want to go back and look at that because I'm pretty sure when Jesus said, It is finished, and the devil was disarmed and completely stripped of power, that was one time for all. So you can go take whatever you want to do with that, but uh, the devil has been disarmed. Uh, The next thing that I wanted to look at is in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, Verse seven, it says, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough. And watch this. They lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. Uh, So the next thing you can write down is Satan has been thrown down. So if you're wondering what's happened to him, he's been disarmed, he's been thrown down. Uh, That particular passage of Satan getting thrown down happened when Jesus came and walked on the earth and went to the cross. Uh, How do I know this? Because the Bible interprets the Bible. Uh, Matthew 28, Jesus came to his disciples after the crucifixion, the resurrection. What did he tell them? He says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just like the scripture in Revelation said, there was an announcement. All authority and power in the kingdom has come and been given. Uh, Also, Luke 10, after he had sent the 72 out, in verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And what did Jesus tell them? He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So Jesus received all authority and he gave that to his followers. Uh, Satan has been cast down. I think it was interesting in, in Revelation there, it said they lost their place in heaven. Satan has lost his authority to operate in the realm where you are now seated with Christ. That's why we worship. That's why we pray your kingdom come here on earth even as it is in heaven. That's why we transform the atmosphere because Satan has been hurled down. He lost his authority to operate in the realm of heaven. And the more we make our surroundings look like heaven, the less he can operate. Having no authority is like sitting in front of your computer and you have no password. You can't even get in to access anything. You're you're locked out. That's what's happened to the devil. He's been hurled down. The only way he can operate is if we give him a door in to do something. We are the ones that have been given authority by Jesus. The only way the devil can get anything done in the earth is to get someone with authority to come into agreement with them. So what else has happened to the devil? Uh, Matthew twelve twenty eight. Uh, he says, Jesus says, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. So the next thing that's happened to the devil, Satan has been bound. Jesus gave the picture. Deliverance, casting out demons was a sign that the kingdom had come. Well, for the kingdom to to manifest like that, the strong man had to have been bound. He was bound by Jesus and his house has been plundered. 2,000 years later, Jesus continues to plunder the house of the strong man through his body. Through the actions of his people taking the authority that he gave us and using it to plunder the enemy's kingdom. That ought to be good news for some people in this room this morning. Especially if you've been feeling like, oh, the devil's really after me, he's attacking me, he's doing all this. These are things that you need to stand on and know then. If you think the devil's been operating in your life, you need to start rehearsing and meditating on these scriptures and say, what really has happened to the devil? Uh, The same account of the strong man in in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, uh, Jesus actually uses the phrase, uh, when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. So you can write down, Satan has been overpowered. So not only has he been bound, he's been overpowered. The armor and the weapons that the devil has are lies and sin and and being bound up under legal uh, covenants. Uh, bondage to addictions and hatred and envy and strife. Those are his weapons, and he has been overpowered by Jesus. Jesus is stronger and gave us the ability to overcome every one of those weapons that the devil could possibly use against us. There is really no weapon formed against you that can prosper. The next thing, Romans sixteen twenty, the God of peace will soon do what? crush satan under your feet so satan is crushed if you're taking notes Uh, satan was crushed under the feet of the early believers and continues to be crushed under our feet today you are part of god's body we can be the feet that crush the devil and keep him bound Uh, the word crush in that uh in Romans 16.20, the word crush in the Greek is the word suntribo. It means to crush completely, to shatter, to grind up. Uh, worse than Humpty Dumpty falling off a wall is what's happened to the devil's power. He has been crushed under the feet of Jesus' body. Uh, another one, Colossians 1:13, uh, for talking about Jesus, says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. So the next thing to write is Satan... Has lost his authority over Christians. And I think we do need to make that distinction because people that are not in Christ are very much subject to the influence and the power of the devil. But people who are in Christ, everybody look at your neighbor if you're a Christian, say I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ. he has lost his authority to operate in your life. I think it's interesting, Colossians 1.13 there says, He has rescued us. It's already been done. That's something we need to stand on. It has been done. He has rescued us. Jesus literally moved us from a realm where Satan had some authority into a place where he cannot touch us, into a realm where he has no authority and power. Uh, quickly moving through our list here, John 16.8. Uh, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells His disciples when He comes, talking about the Spirit, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And then He tells them how He's going to do it. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in Me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see Me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Satan has been condemned there is part of the holy spirit's job is to convict or convince us of certain things the work of sanctification that the holy spirit does in our lives can quite simply be boiled down to renewing your mind to get you to believe and come into agreement with what this book says and one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he comes and convicts or convinces you of the judgment that has been rendered upon the devil. He has been condemned. Jesus already uh, did the work on the cross, the the trial, the evidence. However, whatever analogy you want to use was already laid out, and the verdict was the devil is condemned. He cannot operate any longer. Is that okay for anybody? You guys getting encouraged yet? Yeah. All right. First uh, John five eighteen says, so we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe. And what? The evil one cannot harm him, cannot touch him. The Amplified uh, literally says the wicked one does not lay hold, get a grip, or touch him. So what you write there, Satan cannot harm us. If you are in Christ, he cannot even lay his hand on you. He cannot get a hold of you. Uh, that is part of what has happened to the devil. Next one, uh, John fourteen thirty 30 says uh, he's telling Jesus was walking with his disciples. He says, I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the father and I do exactly what the father has commanded me. Uh, if you look again in the amplified scripture, it says uh, it adds on there. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. So Satan has nothing, is what we're going to say for that one. Uh, there, it's interesting to read some commentaries about that verse. Uh, there's not a lot of clarity on what was Jesus specifically talking about the prince of the world coming. You know, was, was he getting ready to go through his ordeal in Gethsemane and knew he would be tested? Or did Jesus literally see in the spirit realm and see the devil walking towards him and tell the disciples, hey, we can't talk now because the prince of the world is coming? Uh, there's not a lot of agreement in the commentaries. But either way, the clarity in that verse is Satan has nothing in common with Christ. He cannot lay hold of or have anything to do with those who are in him. What did we tell our neighbors earlier? We're in Christ. I remember, you all looked at your neighbors and you said, Hey, I'm in Christ. If you're in Christ, Satan has nothing. He has nothing he can lay hold of in your life. If we're in Christ. We don't belong to Satan. And he can't lay hold of us either. James 4.7 Very famous verse, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what we're looking in that verse, Satan has to flee when resisted. Uh, The word submit means to place yourself under, to subordinate yourself, or to arrange yourself. So when we submit to God, we are arranging and ordering our lives according to the principles of the Lordship of Jesus. When we submit ourselves to God, all we have to do is resist. That means to stand in opposition, to oppose something. I know uh, as Christians, there, there are some corners of Christians that, that get a bad name for uh, resisting in the wrong way. You know, telling people we hate this or we hate that. It, but I think we've all seen people that when you're opposed to something, people know. Oh, I, I don't believe in that. I don't go for that. That's not part of what I do. You have a standard in your life. All you have to do is make that stand. If you're submitted to God, Resist. All I'm doing is saying, hey, this is what I stand for. I'm opposed to anything that is different than what I stand for. And it says the devil has to flee. I love the word flee there. Uh, It is the Greek word fugo. It sounds like it should be a car. Some brand of car. Uh, It is the Greek word fugo, and it means to run away to shun, to vanish. So the moment that you believe you are under God's authority, you are found in Christ and you stand to resist, the devil literally has to shun you. You don't have to run. He has to run. We, we, I think too many times as Christians we have this picture of, I've got to run away from wherever the devil's going to be. I've got to get out. No, the opposite is true. It's the moment we stand in opposition, we resist him. He has to flee. He is the one that's on the run. Anybody ever see somebody get shunned? It's like they won't have anything to do with them. It's like you don't even exist. Oh, we can't talk to you. We can't look at you. We're shunning you. That's what the devil does. The moment you're submitted to God and you resist him, man, I can't have anything to do with you. i got to go the whole... I got. You're walking down this aisle. i got to walk down that aisle because I can't even be near you. That's the picture of the devil, what he has to do when we stand and resist him couple more, and then we'll, we'll close. John twelve thirty one says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So if you're taking notes, Satan has been driven out. Uh, I had a quote uh, from Gary DeMar. He says, The early Christians understood the place of the devil in God's sovereignly controlled universe. Our forefathers worked in terms of God as ruler of the kings of the earth, not in terms of Satan as ruler of this world. Because they knew the ruler of this world had been cast out. So that was the early church looked at it as, oh, Satan's not the ruler because Jesus himself told us the ruler's been cast out. We, we serve God and expect to see his plan put into effect. So Satan has been driven out. Uh, Matthew twenty five forty one says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So one last one, Satan's destiny is eternal fire. We see that in Revelation 20. It talks about the devil who deceived them being thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. How uh, many of you have ever seen the t-shirt? The next time the devil wants to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. That, that's where that verse comes from. He has eternal fire awaiting for him. I've also heard people take it the other way, say, oh, well, you know, that's great, but how about this one? The next time the devil wants to remind you of your past, remind him of his past. Because of the, the cross. What happened at the cross? The disarming, the stripping of His power. I don't care which way you look at it. When the devil comes to you, you can remind him of the cross or you can remind him of eternal fire. Either one works. Just You need to remind him of something. Don't buy into the lie of you have to be trapped in your past. You, he is the accuser that comes and lies to you and tries to keep you bound, tries to keep you defeated, and we need to stand and overcome him. So then then I start talking about the devil being bound and all this stuff, and people begin to ask, oh, so what about all the evil in the world, Pastor Chris? Isn't that the devil's doing? You know, Doesn't he have some kind of power to cause evil? Uh, the devil does have some influence over people who are not Christians. But I do also know that James 1.13 says, when you're tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when what? By his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I will tell you that I believe most of the evil and depravity that exists in the world comes from man. Coming into agreement. Now, man may be influenced by the devil. The devil may inspire some evil things that we do. But man comes into agreement with that evil and begins to perpetuate it on the earth evil continues to exist to the degree that the church does or doesn't stand up and let our light shine the more we let our light shine the more the evil will diminish in this world the more we hide in a place and we don't let our light shine in the world the more evil can abound romans 8 20 says the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of god the whole world has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time here this is a piece of good news or bad news depending on what you've been taught and what you believe until Jesus physically returns again, this is as good as it gets. There are some people that hear that and think, oh my goodness, that makes I, I just lost all hope. I want to go home and commit suicide or something. This is as good as it gets. The key is, He gave us the authority to make it better. What we have is because of what we've produced as a church. And I'm not talking just about New Life Fellowship here locally. I'm talking about the state of the world exists as it does because what we have or haven't produced as the church of the living God. We need to remind ourselves that the devil doesn't nearly have as much power as most people give him credit for. The next time he comes and tries to remind us of some things or to accuse us or to bring accusations against us, we need to stay, Hey, You're defeated. You are beaten. You are bound. You've been cast down. You don't have authority. You have nothing in common with me. Wait till after. Um, So that's what we need to be encouraging ourselves with, that the devil does not have a hold on us and doesn't have nearly the power that most people tell you. Is that okay for you guys? Is that good news? All right. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, We will dismiss, but we'll have prayer. Uh, At the altar, if people need prayer, there will be a time for you to come and avail yourself of that. Please don't leave this place if you needed prayer for anything today. There are people full of the Holy Spirit of God that want to pray with you and believe that our God is more powerful than anything that could be arrayed against you. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for... Just even the the overwhelming generosity and the heart of giving and the heart to bless that that we saw on display this morning. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the power of the victory that you won on the cross, Lord Jesus. Uh, You did everything that would ever be required. Every victory that we could ever need was wrapped up in the work of the cross. Uh, Father, I ask that uh, you would continually remind us of that. Uh, That any time we get uh, tempted to get depressed, dejected, any time that we think uh, the enemy has grown in strength and we've weakened, I just ask, Lord, that you would remind us of the cross. Remind us of the things that, that we heard this morning and the power that we have as we stand in you. God, I ask for abundant blessings to be upon your people today. Let Your face continue to shine on us. Let Your favor continue to follow us in all the things that we do. Uh, Lord, give us opportunities to let our light shine before men, that they would see our good deeds and give glory to You. God, I love You and I honor You this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.